Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Mums' weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we have interviews with Brooks Kupka and Kirk Kitayama, reaction from the Honda Classic and Oman Opens, there's Rules Chat, previews of the Arnold Palmer Invitational and Qatar Masters, and of course, the quiz. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello, I'm Tom Clark and welcome again to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse. I'm, as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me in the clubhouse again this week. No problem. Uh, you've had a very exciting week, haven't you, Elliot? You've, you've exchanged in your flat. What massive news that is. Yes, moving in on Friday, but more importantly on Friday I'm also playing my first round of the uh, the knockout competition mode. so well, what you're telling me is that you've taken a day off work to move house but actually you're going to play golf well yeah cramming two things in at once well, but that's dedication isn't it and it's quite a big big move in your life Ellie, isn't it because yeah, you're not only buying a flat for the first time but you're also moving in with your girlfriend for the first time yeah I'm going to have to live with a woman yeah I mean I'm surprised that you found a woman to actually put up with you yeah. Good comeback. No, they, <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah, I, but no, well, I'm very, very, very pleased for you, and I hope you, you win your knockout tournament. Who are you playing? Anyone good? I don't. I, I think he's off about twelve. But for the podcast listeners, I was runner-up in this competition last year. Yeah, you and there's well over a hundred people playing in it. So indeed. the start of the campaign begins. Indeed. So you choked last year. You were, you fell away in the final, didn't you? I'll be honest with you, yeah, I didn't play very well in the final. <laughs> also this weekend, I have my first round of the four-ball knockout Crikey. with my partner Andy, if he's listening. Shout out to Andy. Yo. Very solid player, so hopefully we'll have some positive news for you next week. Excellent stuff. Well, there's... What about you? What's happening? Uh, it's my son's third birthday this coming well, week, and we're going to the zoo. Nice. Hopefully it won't rain. What's his favourite animal? Uh, he quite likes an elephant. Nice. Exactly. And elephants are slightly smaller than his dad at the moment. So, uh, yeah, that's me, by the way. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, there's something to look forward to. Yeah. Indeed. So, anyway, let's, let's talk about some golf. Let's talk about golf. Yeah, I've watched a lot of golf this weekend. I've watched a bit as well, actually. So, um, we're going to chat firstly about the very exciting and excellent Honda Classic. Uh, Keith Mitchell. Who? Yes, Keith Mitchell won his first PGA Tour title. He birdied, he did a very good birdie on the last, actually. Par five, I mean, struggled. He did a very good birdie. He did a very good birdie. Look, look, <laughs> he, he made a very good birdie. Okay, look, I've, I haven't had as, as much caffeine as I think I probably need today. So, just, you know, just bear with me. But he birdied the last. It was a good birdie, Good birdie. It? Having found the uh, fairway bunker, he then got up and down from about 80-odd yards, didn't he, uh, with a very good putt. Yeah, and he beat... Kupka and Fowler by one and when you've got Kupka and Fowler right there it was, makes it even more impressive because um, you know they're two of the best players in the in the world at the moment and um, so Mitchell he turned pro in 2014 age 2070 uh, age 27 and a lot of people don't really know who he is uh, but he was really impressive don't you think? Yeah brilliant really impressed with him I've seen his swing before on Instagram a few times and I really like it mm-hmm. and He's clearly got, I keep talking about mental game every week, but he's got the mental game to match his golf swing. I thought he was brilliant. He wasn't phased by that leaderboard, the bear trap. He hit it to like two foot, didn't he, on 
15, 15 I think, yeah, yeah. which was just clutch. And a brilliant putt on the last as well. So yeah. good on him. I think we'll be seeing a lot more of him. And he, he's worked his way up through the tours, hasn't he, to this point? He's not like someone who's, who's just suddenly there. He's had to go... So what's he gone? Been on the Latino American tour, web.com, web.com tour, and now the PGA tour. He's really worked his way through. Yeah, he's only 27 as well, so he's not... Not like this is a guy in his mid-thirties that is oh. a journeyman. I think we'll see a lot of him. Yeah, and he and turned pro five years ago. Indeed, and quite it, late. He, you know, he's now. He's really set himself up, hasn't he? Because he's going to have a couple of years exemption. He's had a big winners' check. He's going to get into all kinds of massive tournaments all around the year, and that means he's going to. Yeah, well, he definitely. He's already obviously made his card. So uh, yeah, we're going to see a, a lot more of him. I think. Yeah, in the world's top seventy now. So. He'll be in the world's top 50 and in majors in no time, probably. Someone else who we haven't mentioned yet, who'd had a very good weekend, looked like he might make history at some point, Vijay Singh, 56 years old, he's had 64 pro wins, won three majors, turned pro in 1982. Now, what were you doing in 1982? Nothing. Were you born in 1982? I was, I was one year old. Really? So, uh, Well, I was born in 1981, so I might not even been one year old. So it makes me feel, well, makes makes me feel old. It makes him feel very old. Um, but he played superbly, didn't he? Yes, it was awesome. Like, we're meant to be impartial, aren't we? But he birdied the 10th hole, or maybe birdied the 11th hole, actually, and, and I actually fist-bumped. So I was really getting into it. But uh, as amazing as he is, he made a couple of horrendous errors. So it just shows you... Age really, the yeah. I mean, it, it the fact of age, and also that suddenly having not won on the PGA Tour for a yeah. very long time, he would have been the oldest winner ever on PGA Tour. His putting is it makes you <laughs> makes everyone get a little bit nervous. He just he's using this odd putter and just trying to take out as much feeling as possible. I think from yeah. it. Um, but his ball striking for fifty six year old is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, well, he does work hard, doesn't he? You see the videos of him in the gym. You see the videos of him on the range with those silly drills that he does. He's massive as well. By all accounts, he works as hard as anybody else still on his game. They're saying he works sometimes 12 hours a day on his game, which is an awful lot. Uh, But he's he's hitting the ball as long as guys 30 years younger than him. And really impressive. He doesn't really play much on the Champions Tour. And the guys on the Champions Tour are probably quite happy about that because the way he hits the ball, he'd, he'd... be up at the top of leaderboards every single week. If he could just sort out his putting again, then he'd be really dangerous. Well, he, he putted all right, I thought, and especially on the back nine. I didn't watch much of the front. What really cost him was on the tenth. He didn't hit enough club, and then three putted from like fifty yeah. foot or whatever. And then he missed a green from about one hundred and thirty-five yards, and then he hit that horrendous shot on seventeen where yeah, it so went in the water. Seventeen that he was playing with Wyndham Clark. Yeah, in the final group. In the final group, and they both hit dreadful shots. Oh, yeah. Everyone else was going for the pin on 17. Yeah, they hit it miles left. And they both they? seemed to, to try and take the, the, the lake on the right out of play, where actually I think they should have just gone for it. Maybe, maybe it was a slight, you know, just a, a poor shot, which does, of course, happen. But he was right in it up to then. Yeah. Because he, he, he was, only, he was a seven under, he and he was 30. only one shot off the lead at that point. I know um, Mitchell then went on to, to finish a nine under anyway, so maybe it was... Um, you know, irrelevant. But um, no, really good to see. So we've already spoken. Also, there's a couple of other people who played really well. Ricky Fowler, who you still don't think is any good, uh, who I tipped. I was actually very impressed with Ricky yeah, Fowler. Yeah, he, he started well, 
holder putt from off the green, then had a really poor period in the middle of his round where he fell away down to four under, but then he birdied, what, four of the last seven, I think, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, three of his last four as well. Holding some really monster pl- monster putts to get to eight under. We thought, oh, it's going to be Kupka and Fowler in a, in a playoff together. That's going to be fantastic. And then, of course, Mitchell then made that birdie, which I was a bit disappointed about because I had money on Fowler, but fair play to him. Fair play I to him, and you, can't, you can't, was... and you can't take it away from him. Uh, the other person we've mentioned already, of course, is Brooks Koepke. And Brooks Koepke has been playing outstanding golf, of course, won two majors last year. Um, we've had a bit of audio from him uh, on the podcast the last couple of weeks, but we've got pretty much the full interview now when, when we spoke to him uh, in Saudi Arabia, talking to one of our writers, Michael Weston. And it's some really good insight about really everything you need to know about Koepke. I'm interested because um, I, I was here for the grand opening in, in April and I spoke to, to Claude then. You're obviously struggling with a, a, a wrist injury. How, how bad was the prognosis at that point? Was there anywhere in your head that was thinking, you know, I might have to do something else? Uh, it, was, it was pretty bad. I mean, I didn't know if I, when I was going to come back, whether I was even going to be the same, whether it was gonna, I was going to have to change my swing. I didn't know, but um, I wasn't really thinking of that. Uh, you know, I know it's ended quite a few guys' careers, um, but I wasn't focused on it. I just figured, you know, if I can come back and try to get healthy, and I'm lucky where I'm physically gifted uh, a lot more than other people, and I, I'm a lot stronger yeah. than other guys uh, mentally, physically. Um, so I figured, I, you know, what, what some guys can grind through, I can't. But I mean, eventually, it's probably gonna, you know, fully tear. But you never know. <laughs> Just hang so, on until then. Could you uh, could you quite believe yourself though going from from there to to, to to winning the U.S. Open again? And not really. It wasn't it wasn't that far of a stretch. I mean, I, people think you know you've got four months off and and they start to panic. I mean, I've I've gone from not touching a club for months and come back and play just fine. I mean, yeah. you would never know. I mean, I've yeah. played regular tour events and not played, you know, yeah. had a month off in between and just not touched a club and came yeah. back yeah. and finished second. So you don't, you don't feel like you have to grind? grind. No, I didn't yeah. play for three weeks before I won in Korea. So, you know, it's if I'm thinking, deal. yeah, it's not a big deal just to pick up a club and come right back in. That's, that's, I mean, that's a strength I, to have in itself, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm phys- I'm like I'm very athletic, physically talented and, yeah. and, you know, that's a benefit where I don't need to put as much... Um, time into it um, I don't really practice that much when I'm home but you know I also can't with my wrist I yeah. can't be pounding balls forever and you know so when I get out here I focus a little bit harder and really take it a little bit more serious you so you you got to the PDA head-to-head with, with with Tiger what was that what was that like that must have been yeah it was cool obviously it was the first time that you know, I really played a a major where the both of us were in contention so that was kind of special um, because he kind of gone off tour um, I played with him in 2000 maybe 13 PGA I think uh, we played the final round together but that was really it you know I didn't see him for a while and you know didn't get, didn't get to know him quite as well as I do now so uh, that was quite fun you know something you kind of dream of as, as when you were a little kid I wanted to ask you a little bit about about your warm-up you've mentioned there how you know, you've got this the, the physical strength. Is your warm-up routine the same from week to week, event to event? Do you, do you get to the course for a certain time and have your certain... Yeah, like that, yeah. I mean, it all depends. It depends on the tee time. Um, you know, if I've got a morning tee time, I'll get here an hour and a half before. I'll probably wake up three hours before I play. If I get to the course by an hour and a half and then do 30 minutes of stretching and then 
you know, hit balls, putt, chip, do all that stuff for an hour. Um, you know, if I, and then work out in the afternoon when I'm done. And if I've got an afternoon tea time, I'm using the gym by like 7.30, working out. And then, you know, still the same thing. Get here uh, an hour and a half before and go through my whole routine. It's the same for a, for a weekend. You don't vary it till you don't sort of down tools on the weekend because you're... No, no. I mean, it, people laugh at it, but if you do it all the time, you don't get sore. So, you know, exactly. plus I like feeling a little bit of soreness, a little yeah. bit of fatigue, I guess. I feel like I really understand where the club's at. Okay. I can really feel it. Where if I'm all loose, I sometimes can't feel the club. Yeah, I'm really, I'm more aware of my body. I'm more aware of where the club is, my body, and where the positions I'm in. I like that feeling. So talking about uh, sort of your, your relationships with some of the other guys on tour, you're, you're quite prominent on, on social media. I saw recently that you went on holiday with, with Dustin. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a close friend. Um, a lot of the guys now very friendly I interact a lot on social I spoke to um, uh, Ernie Els uh, last year when he was here and he was obviously that different generation they didn't mm-hmm. interact as much do you feel for example if you're coming down the stretch against Dustin uh, this weekend or at the Masters in a few months time you obviously don't feel that your your friendship with him impacts that um, competitive nature in you it's, no, it's the way it is yeah now, for the whole time we're on the golf course, it's, you know, it's competitive, so I'm not really worried. I'm trying to beat him along with, you know, 142 other guys. But then, you know, the second we're off the golf course, I mean, I can still enjoy our friendship. You know, if I can't win it, I'm hoping he does one of those things. And if, I'm, if I can't do it, I'm glad, I'm glad he's able to do it. But other than that, you know, when we battled it out, the U.S. Open, I mean, I don't, we didn't say much really the whole day. Um, you know, we talked when we were in the gym in the morning um, and we were, hanging out doing everything we laughing joking having a good time but you know the second we get on the course it you was, can switch it on yeah i just i was ready to do my own thing and yeah, yeah. and not be bothered with anything you know you know anything he was going to do and you know just trying to focus on myself yeah what was it like off season for you i assume on that holiday there was no no golf involved at all it's no if i go on vacation it's not i'm not playing yeah. golf i'm yeah. gonna enjoy yeah. I'm enjoy wherever i'm at you're not golf obsessed away from the game you're not you don't no. feel like you have to watch what's going on. No, not really. I think it's uh, I'm a, we're around it so much. Um, mm. You know, I would say like anybody that that has a nine to five job. You know, when you come home, you're not really wanting to talk about your job. You're not really wanting to to focus on your job. You got the weekend off, so you want to enjoy that and do it. And you know, we're lucky enough we only have to work. You know, however many weeks you want to work. And you know, if I'm going on vacation, I'm not I'm not touching a club. I want to get away. And I mean, the Maldives was so so sweet that yeah. I didn't, golf never once crossed my mind. <laughs> I, I wanted to um, quickly look ahead to the season ahead. I, I, I saw on your Instagram when you played the Alfred Dunhill last year, you're a big fan of Homer Golf, everything that the, the, the Open Championship represents. Are you looking forward to, to coming back and playing at Portrush? Yeah, no, it'd be fun. I mean, I always like the Open Championship. I think it's fun. I like Lynx Golf. I think it, it suits me. It's fun. I, really brings out my imagination creativity i think that's uh that's when golf's quite fun um, when you see about 10 different shots standing over the ball i like that and then you know my caddy's basically from port rush so you know it'll be like a homecoming for him which would be nice and i'm sure he's i'm probably he might be more excited than i am about it so you know we'll see it'll be it'll be fun and uh, i'm looking forward to it do you, do you plan on on coming over and and playing a few events of the irish Sure. Not as right now. Um, I just think, you know, I've got other commitments. So I'll probably do those. And then um, I'll probably come over a couple of days before and yeah. just play. But yeah. I, don't, I don't see um, coming over here, uh, you know, too much more the rest of the year. I was, I was interested to, to, 
there's so much demand on on your time, and everyone's going to want a piece of the three-time major winner, a former world number one. Well, you're the, right there still. Mm-hmm. When do you sit down and and work out your schedule, and, and, and who's in your camp that will advise you on where you should play, or is it all down to you? Um, I, I'm going to play what I want to play. Yeah. It's not, you know, I've found out here for what five years four years now um you know i know which golf courses i like i know which golf courses i don't like um you know you won't see me on the west coast too much that's why we're over here i'm not a big fan of the west coast um i like um like phoenix but that's that's about the only one on the west coast i enjoy playing and and you know once once the tour gets east coast you know I, i found you know which golf courses work for me which golf courses play i play well at and and you just keep going back to them and hope you win. I mean, I think everybody does the same thing. You look at Tiger's career, it's pretty obvious which one he likes to play. So he usually wins at those. I just want to take a little look ahead to this year, Brooks, and talk about Augusta. Obviously, you're going to go there as one of the favourites. Hopefully for you, you'll tick another one off on your, your major conquest. You obviously picked up the USPGA and the US Open. Uh, tell me a little bit about Augusta and how much you're looking forward to, to the coming weeks and preparation going into Augusta. Yeah, no, I'll be excited. Playing well. I played well last time in uh, Abu Dhabi. I liked where my game was at. I felt like I was was trending very nicely to win. Um, wasn't completely there. Um, struck it really nice just, and hit a lot of good putts. The putts weren't falling. So um, I know I've had this feeling when I lost at Colonial uh, to Justin Rose and a few weeks later uh, we popped off a W at the U.S. Open. So um, I know I'm very close. I'm knocking on the door, so I'm excited. You know, there's the game's in a good spot right now. There's so many guys that are competing, so many guys that are, um, you know, winning consistently and winning big events and, you know, getting to be the number one player in the world because, I mean, everybody's pretty close there from Justin, um, you know, myself, Dustin. Um, you know, we're all pretty pretty close there. So it's um, it's definitely a battle. And, you know, Bryson's playing so well right now too. So you, you know that uh, guys are gunning for you um, and, you know, everyone's everyone's trying to knock off Justin at the top spot, but obviously he's making it very difficult. He's playing great golf. I mean, it's fun to watch, but uh, you, know, you, you know, you just got to step it up. So I hope you found that that interesting. I really did, and Cook has really suddenly come out of the shadows this this year. He's really talking his mind, and he's becoming a bit more of a personality, don't you think? Yeah, last week he said he doesn't want to be politically correct, or he he was trying to be politically correct back then. Um, Obviously, he's made some quite brash statements this year, which I love. Is he just telling how he actually feels, isn't he? Yeah, like he wasn't a massive name, even after winning three majors, really. He wasn't as big a name as Spieth or even a Dustin Johnson. But now, if a golfer is listening to this, if you want to get your name out there, just talk the honest truth. Yeah, well, we, don't not... want to put, we don't want people to just be making sound bites for the hell of it and just to make headlines. That's not really what we're after, is it? What we're after as, as golf media and also golf fans is actually to have some some interaction, some some sense spoken from some of the players. And you know, his comments, which obviously we repeated just then with the, with the around slow play, especially, I think really have has caught the imagination of a few other people and some actual other stars who maybe wouldn't have mentioned stuff and now come out and. Just, said how they're really feeling about some of the rules and slow play yeah it's it's getting away from that corporate mentality isn't it where it's just like yeah I played well yeah I'm looking forward to next week blah 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 whatever really good but going back to that interview 
compare his method to DeChambeau, it's just night and day, isn't it? How he says he doesn't even think about golf, let alone play golf when he's away yeah, he, from he the wants course. it. He sees it as a nine to five job, doesn't he? And then yeah. when it's when he's not playing golf, he's getting on with the rest of his life. Whereas Tashamba is probably a science and a yeah, he's got his work. calculator out on the side of his bed trying to work out air density, etc. And that's the thing about golf, isn't it? You, it's takes it's not just not one correct way of doing it. There's loads of different ways to do it. That's the great thing about it. That's why you can play it as a teenager. You can play it in your seventies and eighties. You know, you can still get the ball round the course and in the hole. So, no, I think it's it's really interesting to uh, to hear. So well, I mentioned a, a bit about rules there and again we speak about rules every single week but there was another issue uh this week and we've got a bit of a little bit different here the podcast sam who does our quiz he's created a little bit of audio about what happened at the weekend and his thoughts about the incident hello and welcome to a small podcast segment called view from the clubhouse in which i will discuss anything in the game of golf Good, bad, boring, exciting, controversial, any subject is on the table. Now before I get to it, I should do a couple of things. Firstly, I should introduce myself. I am Sam Tremlett, one of the digital writers for Golf Monthly. But you all probably know me as the creator of quizzes that Tom and Elliot take at the end of each week. I've been with Golf Monthly for over a year now, and I pretty much do anything that needs doing for the brand, although top of the list is probably making tea for everybody in the office. Secondly, I should say that this, is, this little segment is purely my opinion. Nobody else's. I'm not speaking for anyone but myself. Right, so now the formalities have been dispensed with, let's get to the golf, shall we? And unfortunately, it's another rules discussion in which they seem to be coming up every week now. Specifically, the caddies lining up rules issue that several players have been caught out with recently, like Hao Tong Lee at the Dubai Desert Classic, for example, um, in which... His caddy was appeared to be lining his putt up for him. Um, and it was a penalty in which European Tour chief Keith Pelly himself called grossly unfair. Another has been another this week at the Honda Classic for Adam Schenk, playing a bunker shot uh, on the 17th of round two during the tournament. His caddy basically crouched behind him and this is a judge to have been breaking the rules. So his bogey has been changed to a triple bogey. Now let me first say that I approve of prohibiting caddies lining players up when they have taken their stance, but it has to be when they've taken their stance. That's the key for me. So for example, Lee was penalised before his feet were even set in his stance, and Shank here was playing a shot from a greenside bunker, so his feet, in all probability, are aiming left of target. So I'm not entirely sure what the caddy is supposed to be lining up there. I've also seen several comments suggesting the caddy was... He was only crouching behind Shank to make sure his wedge was not hitting the lip of the bunker. So for me, it seems that this penalty was once again a poor decision. And as, in essence, the problem for me is that there seems to be no use of common sense when applying the rule, or the powers that be aren't given any leeway to do so. Tour pros have had their say on the problem, like Justin Thomas. He tweeted, My problem with the rule is that unless a caddy is clearly lining a player up, which is very obvious... I don't see how there's any benefit to it. It doesn't make the game any better in my eyes. That being said, we know the rule and have to be careful to go by it. And that, that, that line is important too. The caddies and the players know the officials are hot on this issue right now. So may I suggest don't put yourself in a situation where you could be penalised? 
err on the side of caution, surely, by getting the caddy to stand literally anywhere but behind the player. To sum up, nobody seems to be winning from any of this. Something needs to change, whether it be officials giving more leeway on the issue, or indeed players and caddies taking it upon themselves not to be perceived or appearing to be lining up together. And this is a problem which clearly divides opinion, which is a shame, because when we should be talking about the playing of the game and the quality on display, we are again talking about rules. Anyway, I'm going to hand you back to Tom Nellett now, and they can give their thoughts on the issue. See you next week. So there you go. There was the voice of Sam Tremlett. Who, thanks, Sam. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Some good points there. So another rules incident, another thing about lining up. Um, I think Sam covered that that pretty well. I, I felt, having watched it, that that was another rules incident that the powers that be didn't need to get involved with. He was in a very awkward position in that bunker, Mr. Schenk. And... Uh, <laughs> He didn't shank it, did he? He didn't. He didn't. No. Well, well quite done. a nice one. Yeah, he, he, not, well, he had an okay shot, but the, but the thing is, like the caddy's down there with him, trying to make sure he's all right, because he's, he's got a bit of an awkward stance. And then the caddy gets out of there, you know, for the last you know thirty seconds or so, and I just don't think they need. To do no, it. like Sam said, you are not lining yourself up in a greenside bunker, are you? You stand think, open to the ball. But you are lining yourself up with with a target somewhere. Yeah, but they they should ask Shank, which he did say afterwards. Him and his caddy were just chatting about where to land it. Or yeah. if I mean, where else? Where else is the? That's my point. Was going to be where else can the caddy actually have a conversation with him? He was in a bunker. He can't go to the sides of it because that would be in the bunker, and it was a huge steep lip. He can't be in front of him. Because he'd been miles away, maybe so, should have should have got in there with him. Well, perhaps, but then then he's gonna make, then he's like, oh well, he's in the bunker, he's making a mess in the bunkers, he's got to take forever to rate them and stuff like that. Uh, and I mean, some other people were quite upset about it, weren't they? I mean, just Justin Thomas, we need to talk about what he said. So he said another ridiculous thing, saying no one knows what's going on with the rules. And then uh, the USGA then replied to his tweet saying, we need to chat. Which sounded a bit like a headmaster to me. Uh, asking a, a child to come into the uh, <laughs> into his office for telling off. Yeah, they almost like roasted him on Twitter. He, like they said uh, that that Thomas has cancelled meetings with them and stuff, and that they've been at every tournament, which JT then said was upsetting and in, inaccurate. Um, but it looks like they're going to talk, which could lead to change potentially if they really want to listen to their players. Thomas is the most high profile defector of the rules at the moment perhaps they'll work on changes together with him and perhaps a few of his mates like Fowler who yeah. also hates the new rules in particularly the knee height drop the knee height drop so he did a comical knee height drop where he dropped the ball from between his legs so it looked like it was below his bottom uh, he didn't actually do that he I know, I know. It, I know. he seemed yeah. not to do it and then changed it um, and that was after doing his shoulder height one in Mexico the yeah, week before. Yeah, when he was then penalised. But that's his fault, I think. Well, yes, it is. It is. You're right. And also he's saying, I'm going to stick up for the rules a little bit here. Go on. As a few Europeans have. Yeah, like, there is a few people who are saying, you know, you know what the rules are, get on with it. Yeah. Um, whilst slagging off the knee height drop rule, which I know you don't like either, mm -hmm. um, Fowler said it doesn't make them look athletic. 
It's like, what's that got to do with anything? It doesn't make, doesn't make them look cool. Basically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the knee... Um, I had the problem with the knee eye drop is that actually it's... It's supposed to quicken the game up and I feel that it takes a little bit longer to do it when actually the original way of dropping the ball was was fine. Everyone seemed to get on with it and everyone was happy with it. Do you remember I, that letter we had from the old guy who... Go on. Who wrote a handwritten letter the other week, yeah, actually. Yeah, saying actually it's very hard for him to actually get in that position. Yeah, and he was sure that thousands of other people of his age would be feeling the same Yeah, way. and I think that's right, because actually you can't just... You have to bend to get into the position to get to knee height. He's also, I think, someone who has... He has uh, one of these things at the end of his putter which helps him get the ball out of the hole and things like that. And he said he was actually doing the drop with his putter because he couldn't get his hand down by his knee. Yeah. Which shows yeah. it is actually quite an athletic position, which Ricky Fowler says it wasn't. Yeah, I don't think athletic's the right phrase. It's a different... It's an unnatural position to do it. And there are issues. You seem to... As I said, people have been hitting themselves in the foot. Maybe that was, I thought it was just me being a being an idiot but no there's lots of people who've been doing it and the idea is obviously that it's so it doesn't roll away too far if you're on the slope and things like this but I think you know one of these things why can't they just say drop it between shoulder height and knee height and just get on with it and then you can actually you can actually choose the way you want to drop it so if you have to have it in a slightly if you want a hill or something like that maybe you might actually want to go from the knee height drop whereas if you actually just uh, you know, on a fairway, having hit it into a penalty area, then actually you can just do it from, you know, do yeah. it from shoulder height. I don't. Could I just. This is the thing which I think people get so frustrated about the rules of goal. They're trying to sort it out, and again, people are being penalised. The whole lining up of the caddy is the one that really annoys me. What people hated seeing were people getting lined up specifically for targets with the caddies behind them, and I haven't seen anyone do that. And yeah. but people have been penalised, so that actually it's, it's helped. What it's supposed to, it's supposed to stop people, the caddies lining up the players really closely with their putts and with their iron shots. But now you know that's stopped. That's great. Stop penalising people who would just have the caddies behind them who are trying to help them in their situation. Yeah, that's true. They did clarify it a couple of times as well, didn't they? So maybe it's the fault of. The PJ Tour and the yeah. rules of maybe it's, maybe it's getting sorted as well. Maybe we're just going on about it because other people are chatting about it. But yeah, right? come, let, come on, Tom, say something nice about the, the new rules. Um, I, I, well, I think that well, I think I just did saying that actually yeah, the lining up of the caddy with the caddy situation yeah. that's one of the things that people did not like and that stopped. So that's great. Other things, could they have done things differently? I don't know. I d- there are other things I, I'm annoyed with. I'm annoyed with the drop. Um, I don't mind putting with the flag in now. I wasn't sure what that was going to look like. Actually, having now watched a few golf events, people are using, I think, how it was supposed to be intended to quicken the, the game up. There's a few people who want it in all the time, but actually people are just doing it from distance, which is I think will, will help some putters because you can really then focus on something. But, so I think that actually having the flag in the hole, I, I've already got used to that. Do you think that they will change the knee height dropping rule imminently? C- can they just come I, out and release a statement? I, I don't know and, about or, that. Because then they'd have to reprint all the books, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they... I have a feeling they probably won't change that. No. Uh, the cadding lining up thing is something that they've already changed. But that's something which doesn't really affect everyone around the world. Not everyone plays no. with a caddy. That's really... a quite a pro tournament player rule 
Whereas the drop rule is obviously something which will affect every golfer. But yeah, you are right that we haven't seen anybody being lined up by their caddy this year. Yeah, which, which is, is good. Which is good. This is exactly what we wanted, wasn't it? But we just need to iron out the bits that are seeing people penalised incorrectly. Yeah. And one thing I want to say, just going back to Sam's audio, is Sam, do keep making the tea in the office, please. <laughs> it's a lovely cup of tea, does. No comment, no. Um, Another thing, <laughs> rules related. Yeah, Sam, you make great cups of tea. Uh, and coffee, because I'm a big coffee drinker as well. Did you see Alex Chaker? Yep. <laughs> so basically, he was disqualified for using an old green reading book at PJ National at the Honda Classic, which is fair enough, because the scale has changed this year. I, I, I have no sympathy for him in the slightest. But he was using a book which wasn't didn't even have... They'd redesigned the green since he did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he got so, disqualified for no reason. No, he didn't. He's, the rules are very clear. So the rules, the green books now have a scale on them, so they can't go into so minute detail. You, you know, you can't go really close to the greens. And then, you know, there's so many things wrong with this. Firstly, he's using <laughs> a book which everyone's been told is no longer legal. Secondly, it was for green that no longer exists. <laughs> exactly. What so are you doing? Yeah, he deserves it, everything he gets for that. It is very, very stupid. But it's, the book that he's using is completely wrong. So how's he getting an advantage from that? Well, I don't. But I don't but, well, sorry, that's his own. It's gonna. Some people you have to learn, and that, I just couldn't believe that when I. Also, that. I, what I found interesting from that was that Cameron Tringali, his playing partner, actually like dobbed him into the rules officials. Well, yeah, but that's what you don't hear very often. Well, that's what golfers are supposed to do, though, aren't they? Yeah. If you see, if you're playing in your your knockout tournament this week, and you see a rules uh, discretion or something like that, and you you and you flag with your partner, and he disagrees with you. You have to take it to the rules committee or the who's whoever's organising your tournament. Yes, that's how that's how that's how golf works. Yeah, but Checker wasn't getting an advantage from that, and Tringali just walked past and was probably thought to himself, "That looks a bit funny. That's not the same as mine." And, and mentioned it to the rules official, and the next thing he knew, Checker was being driven off well, in a golf. Party. Yeah, but that's not. I, I you know. This is golf again. Has always been said. Oh, we're you know we're really honest sport. We do everything in the right way. We call penalties on ourselves. You've got to call penalties on other people as well. If you see something wrong, that's the game. So you can't be saying, oh, he's out of order for dobbing me in. Sorry, that's that. That can't have anything to do with it. Continuing on from with Green's books, I would love to see them banned. Yeah, I'd, uh, Green books. I really would. Yeah, I think Green books are. Something which is some, uh, you know, companies obviously come up with this great idea and a way of mapping out the greens. I certainly don't think it adds anything to a game of golf. And actually, I think it's, it's another thing which might actually make it slower. Definitely. The pro, they seem to look at so many different things when actually I think they should just look at what Especially when they've got a caddy there to help them read the greens. Yeah. They don't need a book. As long as they're not lining them up. Moving on, we're going to talk about the other pro event which happened uh, at the weekend. That was the Oman Open. Kurt Kitayama won his second European Tour event by having won the Mauritius Open back in December. And we've also got some audio with Mr Kitayama, who spoke to Jeremy Elwood, one of our writers, uh, a couple of weeks ago, about um, everything about how he got into golf and about everything about his career. Go back a bit, how did you get into golf and how quickly did you realise this was your sport? <laughs> um, I started when I was five. 
just kind of tagged along with my older brother. He was starting at 10. Probably my sophomore year of high school was when I was, I figured I was going to be able to, you know, go to another level, at least, you know, collegiately rather than basketball. Yeah. <laughs> but I continued to play basketball all the way through high school just because, you know, it gave me some time off from golf. Yeah, and how hard is it playing basketball as someone who isn't a six foot six? <laughs> In high school, it's all right. You know, I didn't go to a huge school. So it was good, you know, I was able to compete. But I just knew at the next level, I, golf was going to be the, the next thing for me. And then probably my junior year of college is when I wanted to really, you know, focus on that and, and uh, turn pro. And what, what, did you choose a path into the pro ranks? You know, you went to college, did you get a golf scholarship? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got a scholarship to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Stayed all four years, graduated. Any guys there that made it out on tour with you or not? Yeah, my freshman year, Derek Ernst, yeah. he was a senior, and then he won, you know, I think his rookie year on tour. And then, uh, you know, there's guys that just in the past have done really well. They've had a really good, you know, pro record. You played a bit of web.com, didn't you, in 16 and 17. Mm -hmm. what, what did you most learn about where your game was at from that? Uh, <laughs> had a lot of work, <laughs> really. I uh, struggled, struggled the first year, only had conditional status, missed uh, eight cuts in a row, if, you know, that year, and, and then the following year I was able to get my full card, and, you know, there's just a long stretch of golf where I just struggled, and, you know, it's really frustrating, and really, you just get so down on yourself, and, you know, when I came over to Asia, I, was, I think that I just got comfortable traveling, like seeing new new places and wasn't as stressed, you know, it seemed a lot easier mentally. Just, just maybe it's just something different, was it? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, web.com is so competitive, you know, the t talent level is so high and the season is really short. You have some, there's like, you get the stretch where there's 10, 12 events in a row and, and when you're struggling, you don't want to really take it off yeah. and uh, you just kind of get on a bad streak, whereas in Asia, I was able to take t time off in between events and refocus. So obviously you know, your game was progressing quite nicely last year. What made you decide to have a go at European Tour Q School, even though you had to go through all three stages? <laughs> yeah, it is. I just figured with how Asian Tour and the European have quite a few co-sanctioned events and if I could get status and, you know, even if, if I had just a little bit of status in Europe and, and getting into all the co-sanctioned events through Asian Tour, you know, I, I just thought it, it just paired well. And then obviously winning, you know, made the focus go full on to European. Yeah, I mean, you did come through, I don't know how many rounds it was, about 15 qualifying yeah. rounds, and obviously got through every level. That must have mm. given you a confidence boost as well, did it? Yeah, definitely. You know, anytime you can get through a Q school, it's a great feeling because it's, it's usually long and it's really tough mentally. Where did you play first round? Was that in the UK or? Yeah, I played in uh, France. Okay. Yeah. And then second stage was? In Spain, yeah. at Las Colinas and then, Illuminate. yeah. yeah. Well, you've already answered, you, said you, you, got, you actually quite enjoy traveling the world playing golf. Is, is it easy? Uh, it's not easy, but it's something I enjoy, just kind of seeing new parts of the world. You know, being in the States, you, there's different cultures, obviously, but it's not like traveling to new countries and, and seeing the different different cultures that way. Yeah. I mean, after Mauritius, your schedule would have changed this year. Yeah. Uh, what about your goals? Have they changed as well? 
No, I think, you know, it helps, definitely helped the, the goals I had, you know, trying to finish as high up as I can on the race to Dubai and, you know, opening up these opportunities like this week, you know, I don't know if I would have got in if I hadn't won in last week. So it definitely helps me set up the season for this year, you know, which I haven't had. Like in Asia, I wasn't able to plan my schedule. Um, this year, I'll, I'll be able to plan it around next this year, next year. So. Are you still going to play any Asian tour other than the co-sanctioned one? Um, yeah, I think so. There's an opportunity to play in WGC through the Asian tour. So if I can, you know, have good events with the co-sanctions and, and be higher higher up on the order there, I'll probably play a few. Yeah, and it's, and it's my first year, so I'll probably be playing a lot of events just to see which courses are like and, you know, seeing that for the following year. Okay then, but just final question, you know, would the PGA Tour still be the ultimate long-term goal or, or not? Yeah, definitely. You know, I like traveling out here, but I think everyone wants to get to the PGA Tour. You know, it's the biggest tour out there, so I think everyone wants to keep progressing, keep playing with the best players, and you know, that's kind of what I want to do. Kurt Kitayama there, who went out of the Oman Open last week, and I thought some of that stuff was really interesting. He sounds like a lovely bloke. Yeah. He really does. And um, I think some of the way that he talks about his struggles through... His, it's, it's nice to hear pros who've done well, but actually look back at the bad times and how they got through it. And he's obviously a guy who's grown up in America and played a lot in America, but he found his success by going away from America, going, actually, I'm trying to look at something different here. So the pressures of the web.com tour, which he said, you know, you've got 12 weeks in a row, and if you're not playing very well, the last thing you want to do is play a round of golf or play in a tournament. You want to go away and practice, but actually you have to play because if you don't, the chances are that you're not going to be able to make your card and you're not going to be able to to move onwards and upwards. Whereas he found on the Asian tour and moving over towards Europe, he had a bit more flexibility. And I thought that was really interesting to hear. Oh yeah, I love that. A lot of web.com tour players probably feel the same way as him. Like, oh, just traveling around my home country, I'm not feeling this. But if they did go and base themselves in Australia or Asia or the Challenge Tour in Europe, see new places, like you said, it might relax them a little bit. And there's, yeah, there's, there's other it. examples of this. Kupka, who we've already spoken or we heard from today yeah. already, he's the exact example of this, where he, again, was playing in America, decided to come over to Europe, played all around the place, you know, struggled. And he's won three majors And now. now he's suddenly moved onwards and upwards, and look at him where he is now. Th- been world number one, won three majors, playing the Ryder Cup, the whole, whole lot. Has, it's helped him become a better golfer as well, surely, playing on different types of courses in different countries yeah. different grasses whereas as it's been well documented in the states it tends to be wide open and long yeah and yeah and, and are, in your comfort zone yeah exactly so um, no really interesting stuff them. and i think we're all like quite cheering him on now hopefully he does goes better and better and then actually it sounds like he wants to move back to the pj tour when he has a chance to which is fair play to isn't it go back to your roots and uh, i hope he does well the oman open itself what do we think of it i thought the course was was really tricky actually um and they had some very interesting conditions to to obviously to deal with on the on friday they had a sandstorm which blew in uh, obviously from the desert and I don't think it was particularly fair for those early morning starters who actually got most of them got completely blown away, and then they had to they had to start, they had to uh, had to halt proceedings and then restart again on the Saturday. I know this particularly because some of my 
my tips, who were doing quite well, suddenly uh, shot late 70s and 80s. Oh, blown away with the sand, were they? Oh, no, it was, it was really tough on them. And the, the course, but it was nice, again, both events this week, we kind of chatted about this over Skype on Sunday, was saying it's actually, um, they were both tricky, you know, they're real tournaments, you know, they you've got to have your game in order. And if you're not playing well, the course is going to bite you. And yeah, the Oman Open, the course looks looks lovely out on on the on the the sea wherever it is. I think it's the Arabian Sea. I think is that right? I don't know. You're not very good with seas, are you? No, we had to edit out a bit from last week's podcast, <laughs> didn't we? Where I well, we talked about Oman actually. Yeah, and I thought it was on the Red Sea. Which no, it's not. It's the other side. That's how you know it's not on the Red Sea. I think sea, that's then. why. I think that's why I looked. I looked it up. But uh, no, it was a. I thought it was a decent decent event. Nice course not sure I think there's a lot of people trying to throw the event away in the end there no conditions were tricky but um, people got a bit twitchy I thought Thomas Peters was playing really well and had a real chance to, to go with it um, and, and, and post a number and unfortunately he missed quite a short putt on 17 so um, but Kitayama played, played very well very impressed with him so um, look out for him, him him in future events I watched a lot of Sunday on, at the Oman Open and I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. For a field that wasn't very strong, I was watching Max Kiefer, Clement Sorde, Kurt Kitayama, Fabrizio Zanotti and similar level players battle it all out. Pretty, all, yeah, guys who maybe get the tag journeyman, European tour players. But that, a lot of those guys have won. I mean, Zanotti especially, you know, he's won a few events and... But I was watching it with my dad, and my dad didn't have a clue who anyone was, um, <laughs> and probably quite a few people didn't. But yeah, it was it was quite enjoyable to see them all throw it away. Like Zanotti had a horrendous four putt, including three putts from about four foot, which actually made me like scream out loud, "Oh my goodness!" Mm. Uh, he took about a minute over the first one and missed the hole from four foot. Clement Sorday three putted the last after just Bodie in seventeen. Uh, Max Kiefer, which I think is quite an interesting talking point, was in a divot on 17 and completely chunked his second shot. At the time, I didn't know he was in a divot, so I just thought he chunked it. But um, for people who don't like that rule, that's evidence there that perhaps it cost him the tournament. Yeah, I I know you wanted to chat. I just remembered you wanted to chat about the divot stuff. And divot stuff is, is one of those rules where people say, why don't you get relief from a divot? you're going to find that every every time you get a ball on the fairway someone's going to say oh it's in a divot yeah that's true oh it's a little mark because divot, there's divots and there's divots isn't there some people take seem to take dig down two foot and you say well that's a divot and others who brush the, the surface and hardly hardly leave a divot at all so I just feel that if you start doing that then where is golf actually I was going? thinking as well especially in like I don't want to talk about rules too much more <laughs> But in the summer, when the fairways are like lost or brown, you, people will argue that pretty much everywhere on the fairway is in, yeah. is in a divot. I, I, I think yeah. I, I'm very unfortunate for him to get that lie in a tournament like that big. But it's just golf. And some people would say, see it as a challenge and then try and overcome that challenge. Uh, it just so happened that it, it came at a particularly important moment for him. But, but yeah, I would say back on that that I thought... Fabrizio Zanotti probably should have won, but as was evidence on that par five, he's got the yips. Well, 
Well, I don't know if you've got the yips. He was over those parts for a I think far he's just very, I think he's just very, very nervous. And that's the thing. You look at the field and you think, oh, it's not the strongest field. There's not huge, big names there. But that actually sometimes makes the tournament a bit better where you've got everyone that's kind of at the same standard, all desperate for victory, all desperate, you know, this was going to make their their season. It could make their, you know, their five, ten years. You could, they could change their career around. Um, and that's real pressure then. You know, when you're when you're standing over a four footer on seventeen in your knockout to keep you in the match, you know you think you're going to be nervous. You imagine what those guys are going through. So, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a it was a decent event actually. Really good. And moving on to this week's events, which um, on the, the European tour. So it's not the European tour. Ooh. I know because we, you know we're in that area still. They're they're playing the Qatar Masters last year. It was won by Eddie Pepperell. That was Eddie, his first ever European tour win. Indeed, indeed. And uh, Pepperell, fortunately, not there this week because he's playing on the PGA Tour, which is the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, Thomas Peters is there. You're not happy about that, are you? No, I'm not. Uh, because I th- I always think that people, if they, if they win an event, then they should really try and defend it the year after because they get a lot of... They obviously get all that prize money. They get... Sponsors have looked after them. All this, all this stuff, and I think it's pretty poor form not to defend your title. Now I understand that this year, this year it's Bay Hill. Uh, this way, this week it's Bay Hill. It's the Arnold Palmer Invitation, or it's the week before the players as well. But um, you know that people need to remember their roots as well and where they come from. Not saying that Eddie Pepper's not remembering his roots at all, but I just think that it would have been good for him to to defend this week. I completely agree with you, but then again, he's inside the world's top thirty-five or something, and he's got the chance to earn major ranking points over the next two weeks yeah. in Florida. So I hope, yeah, he's, I hope he's at least the chatted to the, to the uh, organisers and and sponsors and yeah, he probably explained the situation. I'm sure he would have done so. Uh, but who do I think is going to win this week? Well, I'm picking two Spaniards. So last week I had. I didn't have anyone. Even, Everyone got blown away uh, in Oman, and I did have money on Ricky Fowler. Tipped Fowler last week, and he finished second. So slightly annoying. Are you uh, going for Adri Arnaus? Who? Adri Arnaus. Who? He was in my twenty players to watch of twenty nineteen. No, no. Do you want? To, do you want to? No, uh, Adrian Otegi. <laughs> no, can I can't. Poor head Campio. Well, yes, yeah. you, you got the third one. Did you say? Did I say Spaniards? Is that why you said you... two Spaniards? Oh, there you go. I, f- I forgot I said that. <laughs> I thought you were just guessing players there for a second. So, so you can you pronounce his name very well there? Who's so, Jorge Campillo? <laughs> yeah, we're going to uh, go with an it. interesting fact about the name Jorge. It is. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Spanish for George. Yes. And if you are from Catalonia, I believe your name would be Jordi. So I'm going to edit that out. If, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I'm going to say that you're if, not allowed to edit that out. If you're Cata- from Catalonia, your name is Jordi. Whereas if you're from mainland Spain, outside of Catalonia, it's Jorge. Brilliant. I believe. That's real insight on the podcast. So I had him and um, he was had a good week last week. Where did he finish? Uh, tied second. Tied second. It's not bad, is it? And uh, he was 13th here a couple, of, a couple of years ago. I just think he's one of those guys... I'd, he's twenty-eight to one, which I think is pretty decent odds. Thomas Peters is the favourite. I think he's ten to one, and I think it's as exactly the same as the Omen Open last week. There's a huge amount of people who could actually win it, 
So instead of looking for your, your short price favourites, why not push, you know, look at the slightly higher prices. You get some good each way money. So there's him and also Pablo Lorazamal, ah. t- uh, 50 to 1. He's fourth last year in Qatar. Uh, he's also been top 10 this year already, I think, in Dubai. He's also had some some success with Desert Golf as well. So he, with Lorazabal, he's one of the best ball strikers on tour. It's just whether he actually can hold a part. And he's very hit and miss with that. So 50 to 1, I think very good odds for him. <laughs> I think you've hit the jackpot there, Tom. <laughs> well, let's hope we're talking about some winners next week. Let's hope so as well. Um, and moving on then to the other tournament uh, this week, is the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the one that everyone wants to, uh, to chat about. Uh, defending champion, of course, is Rory McIlroy. Um, and we've got some audio here with Rory, just a little small bit about how he plays the game of golf and his technique. You need constants in your golf swing. So for me, it's, it's setup, it's grip, it's posture, it's the fundamentals. If you can keep those things the same and, and start from a really good position, it makes everything else that little bit more simple. I mean, biomechanically, you know, talking of K-Vests and all that sort of stuff, the first time I was, I was tested biomechanically, I realized that my maximum velocity in my golf swing was about 18 inches before I'd even hit the ball. So I was actually slowing down, before getting so, and that was because of a few things, and physically, I wasn't strong enough for my left side. You know, my left, my left quad, my left glute weren't supporting the speed that was going into the ball. So help me maybe hit the ball a little bit longer and maybe a little bit straighter as well, just because of the stability I have now in my golf swing. But I just learned, learn what works for you. Because I, you know, if, if people look at me, they may think that, you know, he sets it a little too steep or, you know, my right elbow isn't, isn't tucked in enough in the, at the top of the backswing or, you know, there's loads of different things that I do a little differently than some other people. But I tell a lot of people, I've, I've worked out and realized what works for me. And I think everyone in golf and when they practice and when they work on things, they have to realize what, what works for them and what moves I make in my swing and, and little swing thoughts that I have, they trigger something in me to enable me to hit the ball where, where I want it to go. But those swing thoughts or those feelings that I have might necessarily work for someone else. Yeah. It works for me and it, I've created good feelings from it and I, I've, I've had good results with it. So. And golf is such an individual game and no, you know, you look at two swings and no two swings are the same and yeah, just be as individual as you possibly can. Don't try and copy anyone else, just learn what works for you and, and go from there. So there's Rory McIlroy, defending champion of the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week. Interesting stuff there, Elliot? Yeah, I love Rory, everything he says, he's just probably my favourite golfer. Anything in particular that he mentioned there about his technique? Uh, stands he out mentions that he takes it takes it away a little bit steep and then he has his elbow out a little bit on mm. the backswing which are two things that you probably wouldn't teach which is strange actually because when you see a swing you would think it's textbook but yeah just wise words saying don't don't really copy anyone swing your swing which is exactly what he does and he's got the best swing in the game pretty, mu- pretty much debatable fact but you know pretty much some disappointing news we found out yesterday that Tiger is not going to be playing this week he's the eight time winner at the Arnold Palmer Invitational uh, but he's got a bit of a neck strain and um, he wants to rest it ahead of the players this, this week something to be worried about there potentially yeah 
He, he says he's had it for a few weeks. Yeah. He says um, his back's fine. He says he's just got a bit of a neck strain. So I think maybe just protecting it. Because he's, he's got a big year for him. He knows he's got some big, big events. He absolutely loves this event. So he, would, I'm sure, would have done anything to play in it. You know, him and Arnie were quite big mates. And obviously, being an eight-time winner. But he's also got to think of his health. And um, if it means he's be able to play some of the bigger tournaments coming up by missing this week, then I think he's got to do it, hasn't he? I do think it is slightly worrying every time we hear about his routines. For example, his new Golf TV stuff, mm-hmm. where he's given them exclusive interviews pretty much every day during tournaments he just keeps maintaining that he needs like two or three hours a day of being worked on yeah. so it just shows you how yeah, he's, damaged that body is yeah he's, 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 just, his, got to, he's just got to manage his, himself and that's the same way like we talk about VJ. he's 56 you know he's obviously how many years older than Tiger 12 years Fifth, old? Uh, how old is Tiger? 44? Tiger's 43. 45, so 12, 13 years older than Tiger. And VJ's the same, I think. VJ's knows his body, knows he needs to keep practising, practising and practising. But do you think Tiger will be at that competitive at the age of 56? I'm not sure Tiger... I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, he may not even well, I know, but how competitive is VJ? I know VJ seems had a good week on a course which probably suits him a little bit, little bit shorter. Um and a bit more technical maybe that helps VJ that this week but uh, sorry at, at the Honda but um, with the Tiger I have no idea I hope so I hope we'll still talk about Tiger in 12 years time also what Woods has said again to Golf TV recently was that he has a real problem with losing weight as well so he's constantly in the gym trying to build that bulkiness up but yeah he obviously knows what he's doing he needs to manage his body well and just keep fit please Tiger I want to continue to see you play yeah yeah especially uh, yeah everyone's still excited about his win last year obviously at the Tour Championship so uh, other, there are some big names playing though this week Justin Rose is back finally he's going to play for a few weeks he's lost world number one spot um, he hasn't played since Saudi has he no so um, it's weeks, good to so see he, he's back playing Francesco Molinari again so he's been, had a few injury concerns um, hopefully this is the start of him playing a few events in a row. Tommy Fleetwood's there, Kupka's there, Shambo, and Jason Day as well. So, um, you know, really exciting field. Ricky Fowler's playing again. Don't forget the uh, US amateur champion, Victor Hovland, as well. Yeah, I thought I'd let you <laughs> say about that. So, the Norwegian won the US amateur last year. It's got a unique swing. He hits the ball miles. But, yeah, he could be a potential future Ryder Cupper, I believe. Potential? Like Matt Fitzpatrick won the US Amateur. Um, obviously, loads of great players have, like Woods, Mickelson, um, but more recently, Bryson DeChambeau as well. So, yeah, one to certainly look out for. I'm not so excited about him playing. I'll, we'll check him out. Hopefully, he does well. But can you think of another Norwegian golfer? Um, I must be able to think of a Norwegian golfer. <laughs> I don't think you will be able Ollie to. Oligon Solskjaer? <laughs> Um, is he even Norwegian? He's, yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to see... There is a... Uh, Hofland, isn't he the Norwegian golfer? Victor Hovland. No, I no, there is mentioned. a Hovland. There is another Hovland, isn't there? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. But yeah, so Europe are going to have a Norwegian potentially world-class player on their books in the next few years when he turns professional. Could use the word on their books. I'm not sure I completely agree. Yeah, it's not like we're a football club. No, you don't own the players, do they? Also, we'll see him at the Masters as well. Yeah, as US Amateur champion. Yeah, and that's something to you know. He's 
because of the smaller field at the Masters, he will get some cover, I'm sure, and he'll hopefully have a, have a good week at the Masters. But who do I think is going to do well at the Arnold Palmer Invitational? Well, I hear, I hear obvious, you shout. isn't it? OK, oh, well, go on, go on. You, you say, who do you think is going to say? Rory McIlroy. Rory. He's the best player in the world right now. OK, go on. Alongside Why is that? Dustin Why is that? Come on, there's stats to back this up. Uh, well, he's played four times this year. He's finished fourth, fifth, fourth and second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simple as that. Obviously, is that all you say? And he's a Finney champion? Yeah, he could quite... What odds quite, is he, do you know? He's probably for tournament favourite, isn't he? he 10 is. to 1? Yeah, I think he's a little bit... Are you not putting all your money on McIlroy I'm this not, week? I'm not backing Rory. I don't really like going for the really short price favourites because especially with golf, you just have one bit of luck. You get stuck in a divot on the third hole... And it means you you then chunk it into some water and suddenly you you know it's game over. Or your playing partner gets a free drop from behind a tree when just you're about. Leave, to let that go. Let that go. <laughs> just let, let you know. Leave that incident alone. Uh, so the people I'm going for are Mark Leishman, twenty five to one. He won there in 2017. He's had five top fives, including a victory in his last eight starts. So he's really good form. Twenty five to one. I think he's a really good pick there. Uh, what are you going to say? <laughs> do you know what Mark Leishman would be if he wasn't a golfer? Yes, I do. What? Go on, you say it. A policeman. Yeah, that's the worst joke. It's the worst joke. Uh, are you going to give credit? Shout to- out to Golf Monthly's Nick Bonfield for the worst gol- golf joke in history. Uh, and the other person that I'm uh, going to back is Tommy Fleetwood. Thirty-three to one now. That's a long odds for Tommy. He's been solid if unspectacular, hasn't he, this year? Uh, he was 10th there in 2017, and that was after first round 78. Um, and also he finished, I think, 20th last year. And again, he had one poor round. I think the other six rounds, he's averaging 68 or something like that. So if you get rid of those bad rounds, I think he's he's going to do well. And I think 33 to one is just too long for Tommy. He's 14th in the world, I think, at the moment. So Yeah, hopefully you can... He's sort of... Getting in gear at the moment, is he now to get into that yeah. that stretch? Which, to be fair, he might peak at the perfect time. Really, he's had a fairly slow start to the year, and and yeah, he could go on. But I'd love the course at Bay Hill. I love the tournament. We got a really good stretch coming up, and the Masters is only five or six weeks away now. Exactly, it's very close. Obviously, the players is fortnight away. So um... I'm going to write a piece next week, I think, on the players because. It needs a really good one next week. To to for what? Well, to claim that it's the unofficial fifth major or ever. It's had two very poor years. Last year, Webb Simpson won by miles. The year before, Siwoo Kim won by miles. So. But that's but even well, I think that's a bit harsh on the the players. You can't help if someone the players if one of the sorry. Uh, Competitors just plays out their skin, which Webb Simpson. No, not are. at all. But this and if you look back, to be you know, and when uh, Siwoo Kim won, there were some big other good storylines in there. Poulter obviously played very well that week, and then if you look back the year before, I think was that when Ricky birded every hole. No, that was last, fifteen. Was it? That I can't one? remember who won it in sixteen. Jason Day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you know they've had some good winners. Sixteen there. was brilliant, actually. Yeah. That's where they lost the greens on that Saturday. So they, you know, it's it's. Um, I think the I like the players a lot. I know. I love about, it, but it's everyone been talks boring. About the 70, everyone talks for two about years. The, yeah, I know, but that's not their fault. There's lots of golf tournaments which have been boring, but um, but anyway, we'll talk about that next week, won't we? Yeah, we will. Good. Okay, other news in golf. If you've missed it, one of the best names in golf, Anne Van Dam, won the Can- the Canberra Women's Classic 
and is top of the European Solheim Cup rankings. Sung Hyung Park won the HSBC Women's World Championship in Singapore and has overtaken... Who's she overtaken, Elliot? Uh, Aria Titanagan as uh, world number one. Indeed, so that's big news in uh, women's golf. And then next week on the European Tour is the Kenyan Open and our favourite, Ho Sung Choi, is going to be playing there. So more mad swings. One thing on that, the tournament is called... I think it's called the Magical Kenyan Open, presented by some company. But yeah, we'll so it should be a magical event. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so it sounds like it should be uh, sponsored by Disney or something like that. <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, and other news, which we found out just as we were coming into the podcast, is that uh, the PJ Tour Rookie of the Year Award is now going to be known as the Arnold Palmer Award, which is obviously good news going into uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week, and it's probably a really good recognition. And it's good to have these names. I would like awards which have names of players who, you know, made have done something massive in the in the in the world of golf. And um, I think that's a really nice recognition for Arnie. Yeah, very good. Uh, back to Anne Van Dam. Oh, okay, go on. That reminds me um, a bit of Rob Van Dam. Did you ever watch wrestling? No. You don't know who Rob Van Dam is? No, I'm not sure I do. Oh, no, that's a missed opportunity there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's 23. She's from the Netherlands, and she has an incredible golf swing. One of the best golf swings in the women's game. Have we got a post about her on the Golf Monthly website? We don't. We will do by the end of the day, because you're going to do one. All right, cool. So if people um, do want to check it out, go to, obviously, our social media, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, at Golf Monthly on Twitter, at Golf Monthly on Instagram, and the Golf Monthly website, golf-monthly.co.uk. And you'll be able to see a bit of Anne Van Dam after a post uh, written by young Mr Elliot Heath. But yeah, so she's only 23, Dutch. She's going to be in the Solheim Cup this year and their Ladies European Tour is struggling, although there has been a few new events added recently. And people like Anne Van Dam could potentially help the LET Tour get more tournaments, get more sponsorship money. So yeah, that's really good, especially in the Solheim Cup, yeah. Indeed, I couldn't agree with you more. So we're going to move very hastily on. To the quiz. So, what's the score on the quiz? Four all, isn't it? Yeah, I'm doing a Liverpool, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) You be careful. You be careful, Arsenal fan. Uh, So, it's four apiece. I have a bad feeling about this week. I don't feel mentally in the right right ballpark. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, we do a quiz at the end of every episode. Which we're just about to do, yeah. And I was 4-1 up four weeks ago and in the last three weeks I've lost each one so it's now four all finally poised indeed so ten questions we play along at home are you ready? I'm ready yeah question number one this is done by Sam who you heard earlier so here we go there's a note at the start start of the quiz so I read it out let's read it out note you both have been getting really high scores recently so I've made this week a little harder to see how you get on brilliant oh so I've, I've if I get if I get three, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to say that now. Is Sam trying to embarrass us on know. the podcast? Something. something like that. Question number one. Keith Mitchell won his first professional win at, at the Honda Classic last weekend. At which university did he play college golf? Clue, their nickname is the Bulldog. I have no idea. Right, okay, well I've written an name down. I don't even know if that's a college or, or, or university. Question two. Adam Schenk got penalised at the Honda Classic, as we are all aware. 
What is his current world ranking closest gets the points? Oh. Okay. Um, I can't say my Adam Schenk knowledge is very good. No. Okay. I've written down a number. Me too. That's going to be exciting, isn't it? That is, yeah. Question three. Vijay Singh was trying to make history at the Honda Classic by being the oldest ever winner on the PJ Tour. Oh, no. Sadly, he failed, but can you tell me who currently holds the record? I think I know. Oh. I think I, I know I, that. I, yeah, I'm similar boat to you. I've got a feeling. I've guessed. Yeah, okay. Question four. True or false? Here we go. Oh, not 50, another 50. one of these. Kurt Kitayama is the fastest player to win two European Tour titles in the history of the Tour. I take that's from. From. Well, he's played eleven events on the European Tour. Yeah. Okay. Question five. Oh God. How many Australians are in the world's top fifty golfers right now? Uh, right. I'm going to just do some workings. Okay, I'll put an answer down. Uh, wait a minute. I've... Yes. Yes. Ready? Um, okay, yeah. Question six. Speaking of Australians, Adam Scott was spotted with a very different putter this week. Not his usual Scotty Cameron. Name the brand that makes it. Oh. I've got no idea. This is very hard, Sam. As I said, I'm still going for my three. If I get three right, I'm happy. Did you not read last week's Tour Gear Roundup? Uh, yeah, I might have done, but... I well, I did. It. I did. So you wrote it about I it, can't and you can't remember it. So what chance have I got? Well, I've got an idea, but I think it's actually I'm not going to give anything away. Okay. Uh, question seven: What did Rory McIlroy shoot in the final round of last year's Arnold Palmer Invitational to win? Oh, that's a good question. I'm just writing a number down. These are guess. This is a lot of guesses. You look quite flapped. <laughs> I feel like I'm flapping all the way through this question 8 who was the last American to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational clue he won it in 2014 and 2015 I know this oh I know that as well it's annoying that you know that he's also one of my tips this week something about him once it may be when he won that tournament he shook his playing partner's hand without taking his cap off which I thought was shocking (laughs) Okay. Question nine. What what is a course record at Bay Hill? Okay. I'm just I'm just get, I'm just writing a lot of numbers down this week and they could all be right, they could all be wrong. Well knowing your luck recently they'll be right. Ooh, bitter. And question ten Eddie Pepperell won last year's Qatar Masters by how many shots? Another number guess. Are you ready yes. for the answers? Right. Question one. Keith Mitchell won his first professional win at the Honda Classic. At what university did he play college golf? Then Georgia. I put Georgia as well. Have you? you Georgia. That is inc- that's incredible. That's the only thing I could actually think. That's the only university I could actually even yeah, think I think he's of. from Georgia. Oh, there you go. No, he's not actually. Sorry. Okay. Why did I say Georgia then? Have you put Georgia? Well, you said Georgia before I did. Yeah. So I was just checking. Oh, I ju- I've just seen your answer to question two. That, that, this is unbelievable. Adam Schenk got penalised at the Honda Classic, as we all are aware. What is his current world ranking? 320. I've put 321. 
That's ridiculous. That's very strange. That is ridiculous. Hopefully it's below 320. So if it's below 320, you win. If it's above 320, I win. Yes. Come on, Shank. Be better than 320. <laughs> what is it? 308. Oh. That is absolutely get ridiculous. In. How do we get so close and how do we have well, just golf, numbers next to each golf other? Golf knowledge, Tom. Oh, I'm, I'm disappointed. I have seen that. I've got question three right. Yeah. Uh, Vijay Singh was trying to make the history at the Honda Classic by being the oldest ever winner on the PGA Tour. Sadly, he failed. But can you tell me who currently holds the record? Sam Snead. Sam Snead. The PGA Tour's leading wins. Sam Snead. So I've got the first three correct. Sam, uh, your quizzes are too easy. <laughs> <laughs> question four, true or false? Kurt Kitayama is the fastest player to win two European Tour titles in the history of Tour. False. I said false. The answer is true. Oh. <laughs> Fair oh, play. I thought there'd be someone else. Never mind. Oh, that was my chance to get one back, wasn't it? Uh, question five. Ah, oh, how many Australians are in the world's top fifty golfers right now? I've put four. Oh, I put four as well. Adam Scott, Leishman, Cameron Smith, Jason Day. The answer is four. Smith, Scott, Day, and he's put policeman. Has he? Yeah. Question six. Oh, the putter. Speaking of Australians, Adam Scott was spotted with a very different putter this week. Not his usual Scotty Cameron name, the brand that makes it. Right. I said Odyssey. Right. So, I think it's three words, and I've written direct lab. So, I think I should get a point for that. What is no, the it's, answer? It's, well, you know, because it's wrong. What's the answer? Directed false. So, neither of those words is correct. So, no point. Okay. That's quite harsh. But... Yep. Fair enough. Uh, question seven. What did Roy McIlroy shoot in the final round of last year's Arnold Palmer Invitational to win? I've written down 66. Oh, that's wrong. 64. It might be... Si- I, 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 I had no that. idea. It was 64. Oh, this is not looking good for me, is it? Have I got my three? I've got my three right, which I said I wanted. <laughs> Don't start celebrating over there. <laughs> uh, question eight. Who was the last American to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational? Clue, he won it in 2014-2015. Matt Every. Yeah, Matt Every. Tick. Question nine. What's the course record at Bay Hill? I've written <laughs> 61. Oh, I think that's a bit low. I went for 63. 62. Uh. <sighs> I just It's just not been my week this week, has it? Uh, question 10. I, I had to guess it. Eddie Pepper won last year's guitar master by how many shots? I said three. Did you? I put three as well. Oh, boring. It was one. Was it? Over Ollie Fisher. Of course. I knew Ollie Fisher's finished second. I actually remember Pepperell was a little bit pressured on the last hole as well. Well, I said I wanted three. I got four. I got six. I could have have so tied you there. Oh, well. Well, I hope you guys did better than us. Probably did. But as ever, thanks for listening. Please do rate and review us if you're listening to us on iTunes. And please do subscribe to the podcast we're on loads of different things such as Spotify and Acast and as I said iTunes so do check us out and do subscribe and do also check out our social media Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook at Golf Monthly on Twitter at Golf Monthly on Instagram golf-monthly.co.uk on our website and also the Golf Monthly YouTube channel we will be back next week with reaction to Bay Hill and Qatar and also full previews of the Player Championship at TPC Sawgrass which I'm very excited about yeah, me too. Hopefully it's good this year. Indeed. But what a week ahead. Hopefully this time next week we'll be discussing 
Rory McIlroy's latest victory. And, and Thomas Peters winning in Qatar, that would be great, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, or maybe even a Tommy Fleetwood or a Molinari victory. Well, 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 I'm rambling now. Indeed, well, you are, the standard. So, uh, no, really looking forward to it. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll speak to you again next week. <laughs>